welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Welcome back. Love having you here every week. It is a great day when we have the opportunity to be able to connect with one another and be able to talk about the things that are so important in regards to how we father, to how we are engaged with our daughters. And every week, I love being able to reconnect with you, but also introduce you to other dads because it is so important for us to be able to talk to other dads about the experience that we are having individually, but also the experience that we're having collectively. So often, as I've mentioned before, sometimes retreat into ourselves think we have to be those supermen that we see portrayed, and that's not the case. Fatherhood can be a collective thing. We can learn from other dads, and it's important to learn from other dads. And that's why every week I love being able to bring different guests to you to be able to talk to you about their experiences as a dad, but also some of the things that they're doing to be able to personally connect and work with their children, but also sometimes opportunities to learn about what they're doing to help other dads too. And today we got another great guest. Dr. Jet Stone is with us and Jet is a father of two. He has a two and a half and a six-year-old, both daughters. So just like me and having two daughters. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to him about his own experiences and delve a little bit deeper into the work that he's doing and helping men today. Jet, thanks so much for being here today. It's a pleasure. Really happy to be on your podcast. Well, I'm excited to be able to talk to you and be able to kind of learn a little bit more about you. And one of the things I love to do to start off to, is to turn the clock back in time. We get into our time machines and go backwards. So talk to me about the first reaction, that first reaction that you had when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. It was a mix of emotions. Um, I remember I was with my wife. We were in Hawaii and we learned that we were going to be parents and I was excited. I was thrilled, apprehensive. I felt joy, wanted to call people, wanted to call family. And then I kind of remember feeling like, my gosh, there's there's something I need to do to better prepare. And so sort of scrambled a little bit. We bought a children's book out there as if that was somehow going to help us prepare for, for parenthood. You know, and eventually when my first was born, River, and we didn't know what the sex of the baby was going to be. We, it was a daughter and I was just so thrilled. And over the course of time, I think I've really grown into the role of a dad-daughter and in some ways feel a sense of relief that I'm not a boy dad. I, I really love being a girl dad, but certainly at the very beginning, it was a mixed bag of emotions. That mixed bag of emotions definitely is something that I hear from a lot of dads. It is something that is, I think, sometimes surrounded by a little bit of fear. I hear that a lot from dads too, because of the unknown, the fact that we are males and we, we don't always know that experience outside of the experience that we may 
have had with our own spouses or significant others, or if we have siblings that are females. But if you don't have that type of thing, sometimes there's that feeling of unknown. As you feel or as you think about the the time that you've had with your daughters and that those first moments that you've had with those with your daughters as you were thinking about being a father and stepping into that fatherhood role, what would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters? I think my biggest fears in terms of raising daughters would be placing too many expectations on them, expecting too much from them, being unable to discipline them or shape them in a way that would make them out to be good people, women of integrity. I think that I put a lot of pressure on myself as a parent to be the shaper and maybe giving myself more power and control that I've learned I actually have. So over the course of time, I've learned that they gather so much from their parents, but also in school, among friends, from media they consume, that being a parent is a big part of the growing up process, but not all of it. And I think in the very beginning, I put so much pressure on myself as being the primary shaper and that, you know, one small thing that I do or don't do could dictate the course of her life. I think I've, I've since been able to work through a lot of those fears. You definitely have to go through a process of being able to work through those fears that you may have. And it's a continual process because you may make one step forward and then take two steps back. And it's something that you have to work on throughout your daughter's lives as they are getting older and it doesn't stop. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, you have two daughters. As I said, they're two and a half and six. And as any parent of multiple kids know, each child is so unique and very different. So talk to me about how do you make that time and create that time to create those unique bonds with each of your children? Yeah, it's, it's so important to get into a mindset where you can create those unique bonds, meaning finding a way to put aside work or your phone or the various worries that you might have. And so I consciously tell myself it's time for what I like to think of as like eye contact time and just putting on the blinders and devoting one-on-one -on -one time, whether it's on the play mat, outside, at the park, riding bikes, just one-on-one. -on -one. Get on their eye level. I like to remind myself, get on their eye level. And that might mean, you know, crouching down because they're tiny little people. And so... That might mean putting my phone away, putting <clears throat> the, you know, turning off the television, whatever it is, and just letting it go open-ended. What do you want to do today? I love doing art with my girls. They're so creative, so silly and spirited. And, you know, I'm a musician. I, I love sitting down with my older one and trying to teach her piano, listening to music and singing songs together. You know, I, those are the things that I enjoy doing and I want to instill the love of music in her. So I feel like that that is maybe music is the biggest thing that I enjoy doing with my daughters because it's playful, there's structure to it, and it opens them up in ways. And it's, it's a great way to connect. And then I would say the other way that I do it is bedtime. When things start to quiet down, I try to give them open spaces to talk about their inner worlds, what happened, like my older one, like what happened at school? What, what sort of things are you worried about? And I find when their guard, the guard is more down at night, 
their nervous systems are not overactivated in the in the way that they are during the day. And I feel like I can get more information out of them. So those are just some of the ways that I connect. And as we talk about those connections, what is the favorite what are some favorite things that you like to do individually with each of your daughters to maintain that bond? With my youngest one, it's magnetiles. I don't know if you've heard that they're they're like uh, magnetic building blocks, and so she she loves that. She loves building them up and knocking them down, showing them off. And with her, we we do a lot of art together and building forts out of the couch cushions. And so we do that through activities with the youngest one. She she really loves that. And like I said, with my older one, it's biking, piano, swimming, running around at the park. She's getting more and more into reading now too. So we pick up books and read to her and I'll read her one page of a book and she'll read the next page and we'll alternate and we'll talk about the book. I love that. And, uh, you know, it's definitely something that would allow for you to build so many memories. And, And talking about memories, your kids are still young, but what would you say has been the most memorable experiences that you've been able to share thus far as a father with your daughters? One of the more memorable, it's an ongoing experience I have with them is during school drop-off, just seeing my older one give a big hug and kiss to my youngest one who follows her to school. And just seeing the way that they connect and say goodbye to each other in the morning, it reminds me of how important those sibling relationships are and my hope and dream that it remains that way throughout the course of their life. Um, Those moments of connection, I think, are so special. And whenever I see, especially my older daughter, um, do something kind for others or talk about the way that she deftly handled a bully at school. When I feel like the things that I've tried to impart to her come across, rather the things I try to impart to her, she uses independently. There was an example at school recently where someone was just kind of being mean and the way that she handled it and talked to that kid made me feel like that, you know, we were doing a good job as parents. And so I was very proud of her. And I'm also very proud of the way that each of them, my oldest and youngest, are just do not discriminate with who they play with. Young, old, they'll play with two-year-olds, they'll play with 10-year-olds. They're gamers. They'll go to the park and they'll make friends so easily. They are open to playing just so many different games and they're so imaginative. I think that brings me great pride. And those are some of the more, those are some of the best memories I have of them that make me very proud. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today was about a couple of articles that you had written recently on Psychology Today, talking about a new era of engaged fatherhood. And I know as a as someone that is working with individuals as a psychologist, being able to, in, and in, your, in the fact that you know, you specialize in psychotherapy with men, you work with a lot of different men and you can tell through these articles and I'll put a link in the notes today for you to be able to read these articles as well. But you talk a lot about the importance of paternity leave and how that paternity, that extended paternity leave that some organizations have been offering is revolutionizing fatherhood in many ways. Talk to me about that and talk to me about some of the conversations that you've been having with other men and how this has impacted them in their fatherhood journey. I'll just start with my own personal experience. My, my 
first kid, I got a week off for the birth. I was in graduate school, so I could only take a week. My second um, was born during the height of the pandemic in March 2020. So for various reasons, I was able to get eight weeks off. And so I had a personal experience knowing what it's like to have a very quick paternity leave and what it was like to have a more extended paternity leave. And it got me thinking. And over the course of time since then, I have worked with a lot of men who are having the benefit, the fortune of taking more extensive paternity leaves, sometimes 16 weeks or 20 weeks or more. And that's a benefit that people get based on where they work, where they live. In New York, where I work with a lot of people, there are pretty good family leave and parental leave benefits. And this is uh, one of the things I wrote about was how this is a, a new phenomenon. Our fathers and their fathers, like the thought of getting that much time off to be able to bond and um, co-parent if your father, then like that is a such a benefit. We're, we're still figuring out what that means. And I wanted to explore that further because what is that time away from work with a newborn? What does that do to men? And it does so many things. Research out there shows that it paternally has so many benefits, not, not only for the, for mom and for bonding with the baby, but it adds what I called in in one of those articles, like it adds self-complexity to men. It, it, it adds in multidimensionality. It teaches them at the very beginning how to do some of the more difficult work while sleep deprived, whether it's bottling, bottle feeding, cuddling, organizing the baby's clothes, their life, their, their little life. And so I think it sets up a precedent from the very beginning that parenting, caregiving is a father's job. And that may not be for a lot of the the people that I work with, you know, their fathers had different stories. Their fathers were away for work. And so I think this sets a precedent. And the other thing I mentioned is that it is a disruption to maybe the old family patterns that many boys grew up in with their own dads, that, you know, dads were helpers at a certain period of time, or they were adjunct parents. And today, with extended paternity leave, it sets again a very early precedent that that is not the case, that dads can be very good caregivers and it can be something they're interested in too and gain as a skill set, not just as a thing that they have to do, but as a skill to learn. You know, moms don't come in 100% pre-equipped to be caregivers. They'll, they'll tell you all the time that they're learning on the job. And so paternity leave for so many of the men that I work with becomes this thing that they learn on the job. And once they, in the middle of paternity leave or at the end of it, you could just see in their expressions that it's it's been a lot. It's confusing. There's so much happening. They weren't taught how to do this. They didn't have, a lot of the people that I work with maybe didn't have rich fantasies about fatherhood as boys. And now they're kind of put in this role where they're having to imagine what type of parent they're going to be. Imagining that at the beginning is not always easy. And as you were talking about, I was thinking about my own paternity experience and neither of the times when I had children did I have an extended paternity leave. There were a few days or whatever I could take based on the time that I had in my vacation bank, basically. And so I guess one of the things that comes to mind when I think about this and the importance of that time at an early point, not only for the bonding that you can have with your child, but also for the connection that you can maintain with your significant other, 
to assist your significant other while she may be at home. And with all of that being said, if your organization is not supportive of this, how do you start those conversations? What do you say to dads about being advocates for this type of change? I think one of the most important things is to have conversations at work with other dads about parenting. And, um, you know, I see moms in the workplace constantly having these conversations and negotiating them because they have to. And now I think new dads have to, meaning that make it a point of conversation, not just to talk about sports, which I love doing, um, but also talk about their kids' lives, make it a part of the conversation, develop a vocabulary around your feelings as it relates to being a parent, be a little bit more vulnerable about how it, hard it is to develop a work-life flow. Um, the impossibility of creating a balance, you know, create a text chain with other dads at work, for example, would be an idea where you're talking about things you could buy for your kid or how you're managing. I will also say that some of the new dads that I, I work with have no power at work. Like when it comes to the chain of command, they're not making decisions about paternity leave and, and they can't institute those policies. But the people who do have power, I think those are the real important ones to talk to. And I do, you know, take your paternity leave, talk about it, take it in full, make it a thing. I think there is a culture of among men at work to like, you know, somehow there's a stigma rather to taking the leave. That means that you're not really committed or that you're somehow weak, um, prioritizing caregiving over providing. And it doesn't have to be black and white that. So my first thing is to build community among other dads work and encourage them to talk about it and not hide that part of your life. Um, it's not mutually exclusive with work. And to those who are in power, I would say be more open and vulnerable about it because that trickles down. And that's where I would begin. Being vulnerable is definitely not an easy thing. And I know that as a psychologist, I'm sure that you have to have conversations to many men about being willing to lower their guards and be willing to be vulnerable, not only with other men, but with their significant others or others in their lives. Talk to me about that, because I, I think that that's something that is a challenge for a lot of men. And I think it's somewhat breaking down and more men are willing to be a bit more vulnerable, but there still is this cultural block per se, that continues to show men as stoic and as not as vulnerable. So for the men that you work with or men that show that that is a difficulty, what do you say to them to help them to be able to step in the direction of being more vulnerable with the people around them? The first step is not just to ask them over and over again, what do you feel? What do you feel? What do you feel? Because it's not easy to get there. So I think the beginning part of developing vulnerability and more emotional expression is giving them the context of why it's hard in the first place. What's the function of being stoic in your life? What did it do for you? There was a utility to that. There was a survival mechanism to it growing up as a boy. For many boys, real or imagined, they grow up in a hostile environment, competing with other boys and, you know, showing vulnerability, talking about the way that you feel didn't necessarily benefit them. It could actually hurt them. They were messaged in different ways from the men and women and others in their life. That's not what you do. And so giving them the context that this isn't a, this isn't necessarily 
something that you should be ashamed of. It makes total sense why you grew up not having those skills to be able to express yourself. But now is the time where that no longer works for you. It doesn't have the same benefits. And then one of the things that I try to instill is like, let's be flexible. There are moments to compartmentalize and be stoic and not show your feelings, but then there are moments where you have to. And so to get to that place often requires in the beginning, some what I call like conjecture, like, are you feeling inadequate or sad, scared, jealous, right? And then they kind of say no or, or yes. And you start to develop a set of emotions that men start to feel in any given situation. And they develop a vocabulary around it. And starting from helping them bring attention to that, that's a hard thing. It's, it's a process. And I think there is the identification of emotions and then there's the expression of them. So you start with the identification identification of them, whether that means talking to them about emotions, like I said, conjecture, asking, is it this? And then them saying no, or yes, or that feels right. Having these conversations around it, and then working on ways to express them in a way that works with their partners or with their kids. And that is also a process, giving them confidence to do that, showing them that there is a real utility to that and that they won't be stripped of their manhood if they do that. I think once men start to try that out in the real world, outside of the therapy room, and they see that it actually has a benefit to them, people get closer to them, people want to talk to them, people see them as three-dimensional, then it only gets better from there. They're able to become more vulnerable from there. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. In one word, what is fatherhood? Patience. Now, when was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded as a father to a daughter? I have to say, I know I mentioned this earlier, but the way that my kids embrace before they depart from one another. Now, if I was to talk to your daughters, how would they describe you as a dad? A goofball clown. Who inspires you to be a better dad? My own dad. He was such a loving person who had such a demanding job growing up. And so I have to say that he's at the top of my list. You've given a number of pieces of advice today and, and shared some, some great things in regards to how you're working with dads, how you're learning from dads. And I guess as we finish up today, what's one piece of advice that you'd want to leave with every dad? There's a number of different things, but one of which maybe is less talked about is be a storyteller to your kids, right? There's so many different ways to express love and, and give attention to your kids and find ways to discipline. But sometimes you can do all of that through storytelling. Open up your inner world to them. Talk to them about some of your fears. That does not mean that you can't be a good protector, that you aren't stable. It makes you more stable. It makes you more of a protector to show them that you have stories about yourself as a kid dealing with difficult situations. And I think sometimes when you turn it into a story format, when I was a kid in kindergarten, I too dealt with bullies or I dealt with this or that, or let me tell you a story about this or that. So I think using storytelling to show your inner world and show them that you're three-dimensional is a wonderful gift and a way to garner their attention and have them listen to you. Now, Jed, if people want to find out more about you, Where's the best place for them to go? They can go to Psychology Today and they can Google my name there and my profile page will come up. I also have my uh, professional website, which is jetstonephd.com. And my Twitter, which I'm working on developing, is 
Jetstone PhD. So those would be the best ways. Well, Jed, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your journey and your own experiences with your own kids, but also some of the experiences that you've had with other men in working with them professionally, personally, because I think it's so important to be able to not only advocate for ourselves, advocate for other men, but also learn from other men in the journeys that they're on. And I truly wish you all the best. It was wonderful being here. It was a lot of fun. And I wish you the best. And thank you again. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.